Welcome to Walking by Faith. We believe that the Bible has something to offer everyone and we're excited to share it with you. We pray that today's message helps renew your mind and encourages you to speak words of life, love, and hope. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on our app. We are finishing the series From Stressed to Blessed, and today is all about our words and the power they hold. The Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So what we say matters, and if we want to walk in everything that God has for us, we need to learn how to use our words wisely. When we speak words of faith, we are partnering with God to see His will come to pass. We are declaring that we believe in Him and His promises. Today, we are learning to speak life. Let's dive in. So I want to start this morning in the New Testament with Romans 5 and verse 17. And I've got the Amplified Translation here. It says, For if because of one man's trespass, lapse, or offense, death reigned through that one. Now, the, the, the man that is talking about the one man's trespass is Adam. When Adam bowed his knee to Satan, Satan literally took Adam's dominion and authority and began to literally to rule on the earth. The Bible calls him, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, the God, small g, of this world. Jesus, as he was about to be betrayed, said the prince of this world is coming. Speaking of Satan, the prince of this world. That's what Jesus called him. But he said, but he has nothing in me. So the one man's offense, Adam, let Satan into this world. And the result is death, sin, sickness, disease, war, pestilence, famine, prejudice. Every wicked thing you can think of, that's where it came from. Much more surely, with those who receive God's overflowing grace, his unmerited favor, and the free gift of righteousness, putting them in right standing with himself, reign as kings in life through the one man, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Uh, The first Adam lived in the garden, lived lived with Eve in a garden, and he fell. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, the Bible tells us that Jesus is the last Adam. The first Adam was the first representative man. He represented us and took us down a road of destruction. The last Adam, Jesus, represented you in his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. And through what he did, the Bible says we are to reign as kings in this life. Now, what the Christian life is, is the Christian life is a fight. That's what it is. In uh, 1 Timothy 6 and 12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. So our fight is not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual fight. It's a fight of faith. It says, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. A big part of the spiritual fight that you and I are in is to confess a good confession. We need to have a good confession. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 10 verse 32, But recall the former days in which, after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle of suffering. 
Now, it says after you, were, after you get right with God, you're illuminated. It says you endure a great struggle of suffering. How many of you noticed that you got right with God and the devil didn't, he wasn't happy? He showed up. The Bible says that you get illuminated, and what happens afterward? There's a great struggle. Whoever said, receive Jesus, and you'll float through life on a flowery bed of ease, they lied. The Bible says what comes afterwards? The Bible says afterwards, a great struggle with suffering. So how do we reign in life? Proverbs 18, verse 21, says death in life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. You reign in life by using the authority that God has given you through the words that you speak. I want you to think about this. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth, and how does he does it? He said, let there be light. The way that God released creative ability and force was with words. In fact, words were the parent force of this world, this earth. Words were the creative force. They were the parent force. Words cause things to be created. And by the way, things respond to words. Not just God's word. They respond to your words. Because death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. Ecclesiastes 8, 4, where the word of a king is, there is power. Revelation chapter 1 says that Jesus has made you to be kings and priests to God the Father. You may not think of yourself as a king, but when God looks at you, that's how he sees you. You're a king, and you are to reign in life through Jesus Christ. And you look at Jesus. Jesus spoke words of healing. He spoke and cast out demons. He spoke to storms. He spoke to wind. He spoke to a tree, for goodness sake. In Mark 4, excuse me, Mark 1 and verse 34, it says, and Jesus healed many who were suffering of various diseases, and he drove out many demons. He drove out many demons. How many of you know the devil's stubborn? He had to drive them out. And when, when, the, when the enemy is afflicting you, don't think that you're just going to go, well, I literally heard about one, one person. They said, you need to resist the devil. This is what they said. Dear Mr. Devil, please. Look, you are not resisting the devil when you go, please, Mr. Devil. That is not resisting the devil. Right? The Bible says resist him. Notice Jesus had to drive them out. So we're going to go to Mark, the 11th chapter. And Jesus is staying about just about three miles outside of Jerusalem in a little town called Bethany. Now, as you, as you leave Bethany and you head towards Jerusalem, you'll come right over the Mount of Olives. I think we've got a picture or two that we can... Uh, show you right here. Now, actually, right here, we are walking down the very road that Jesus walked down when he went into Jerusalem, when they came out with palm branches and were waving those palm branches and going, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That is literally the road. 
It's been there for a couple thousand years, right? That's one of our groups as we, we take to Israel. Do you have another picture there? There it is as you're getting a little closer to the end before we mobbed the road. Now, as you come down, you'll come to the bottom, and there's a little stream called the stream or the Kidron Creek stream, right? Right there. And then you go up into the Temple Mount, right? I'm pointing across and uh, pointing at the Temple Mount, and right what you see right there that I'm pointing at is called the Golden Gate, or the mercy gate. Now, that gate would go straight into the Temple Mount. In Jesus' day, it was open. But the prophet prophesied in Ezekiel chapter 44, he says, this gate shall be shut, and it shall not be open. No man shall enter it, because the Lord God of Israel is entered by it. Therefore, it shall be shut. Now, Suleiman the Magnificent, in 1541, he closed the gate. Because the Bible tells us the Messiah will go through that gate. And he wanted to make sure no Messiah could go through the gate, so he shut it. And put the picture back up. And right in front of it, he puts a Muslim graveyard. Still there today. And he figured, well, no holy man, no Jewish holy man would ever walk through a Muslim cemetery. But how many of you know cemeteries really are not a problem for Jesus? <laughs> He's got this reputation of emptying those things. So the Bible prophesied it would be shut. And so literally what Suleiman the Magnificent does is in trying to keep the Messiah from going in the gate, he fulfills the prophecy that it will be shut and Jesus will reopen it when he comes. So he's literally, as Jesus is coming from Bethany, he's walking towards Jerusalem. He comes down that road. And again, in just a couple days, they're going to be out there with palm branches. So as Jesus is walking in to Jerusalem, he's going into the temple. He's going to go right through that gate that's now closed. And he's going to teach in the temple. As he comes down, he's hungry. He sees a fig tree. And he goes over to the fig tree and he finds no figs. And Jesus said to the tree, he said, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. And he goes into Jerusalem. He teaches And he goes back again to Bethany, to the house of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They get up in the morning, and now they're going back into the temple mount. Jesus is going to preach again. And they pass by the tree. And when they see the tree, the disciples, well, it says it this way in verse 20. Now, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Now, when Jesus spoke to the tree, the tree died. But it died in the roots, and it wasn't visible right away. But it actually died when he spoke. But in the morning, they noticed it. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look at the fig tree that you cursed. It has withered away. Now, when we think about cursing, we think about four-letter words, right? Jesus didn't say, you blankety-blank-blank tree. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus said, no one ever eat fruit from you again forever. And those words that he spoke killed the tree. They killed that tree. But they said, you curse the tree. You know, when when you tell your kids you're never going to succeed, when you say, we'll always be poor, I will never get free from this depression. 
I'll be the first one that gets the next brand of COVID. You know what you're doing? You're cursing. You're speaking words that are powerful, and they can bring life, and they can bring death. So then Jesus said to the the disciples, have faith in God. This is verse 22. Have faith in God. Other translations say have the God kind of faith. Have the God kind of faith. Jesus says, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. So I want to kind of unpack some of this this morning. I don't have time to unpack a lot. But I want you to notice how Jesus starts this conversation with the disciples. He says, verily, some of your translations say, truly. Now, here's what we, I, I believe everybody believes this about Jesus. He always tells the truth, right? So when Jesus starts a conversation with you and says, I'm going to tell you the truth, means two things. Number one, of course, he's going to tell you the truth. Number two, you won't believe it. I'll say it again. You won't believe it. Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you how faith works. He said, but when you hear it, you're going to think that can't be right. That can't be right. There's, got to, there's more to it than that. So Jesus warns us right off. I'm going to tell you the truth about this. I'm going to tell you how faith works. And how many of you agree he knows more than you or I? So here he goes. Verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he saith. Literally. This is the most detailed teaching on the subject of faith anywhere in the Bible. And Jesus begins by telling us a couple of things. He says, this will work for who? Whosoever. This will work for whosoever. So, the, well, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not educated enough. I'm not gifted enough. I didn't go to the right school. I don't have the right pedigree. Now, this will work for whosoever will say. This will work for you if you're a millionaire. This will work for you if you live in a cardboard box underneath a bridge on the expressway. This will work for whosoever will say. Now, notice when Jesus talks about faith, the first thing that he says about faith is whosoever will say. That faith and your mouth are connected. Faith and your mouth are connected. 2 Corinthians 4.13, since we have the same, the identical spirit of faith, according to what's written, I spoke, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. Notice it's the identical spirit of faith. The way that faith worked for King David is the way it's going to work for you. The way that it worked for Jesus is the way it's going to work for you. It is the identical spirit of faith. And the first thing about faith you need to know is that it'll move your mouth. And if it will not move your mouth, it will never move a mountain. All you need to do for faith to not work for you is keep your mouth shut. You just say, I believe that. Well, it won't work for you because it doesn't work for whosoever believes. It works for whosoever believes, doesn't doubt, and will say, and will say. And what Jesus did not say 
is, is literally, I don't know why I, I thought this for so long. I, I would read this, but in my mind, I'd go, well, that's Jesus. Well, of course he could do that. He's God. For goodness sake, he's God. Of course, whatever he says is going to come to pass. But what about me? And in my mind, what Jesus said to the disciples was this. You saw what I did with that fig tree? I killed that fig tree with my words. Now, listen, that's a deity trick. I learned to do that in heaven. That works for me. That works for God the Father. That'll work for the Holy Ghost. But if you try that, it'll blow the lips off your face. You know, I thought that was for Jesus, but it wasn't for me, right? But Jesus says the exact opposite. He didn't say, this is a deity trick I learned to do in heaven. He said, this will work for whosoever. Whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. I want you to notice, one time it talks about believing, One times it talks about not doubting, and three times it talks about, three times. (laughs) Three times it talks about saying, three times. And honestly, I think that's where we miss it the most. We miss it on the saying part, on on, uh, releasing our faith. Now, he said, believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. Will not doubt in his heart. But believe those things which he saith will come to pass. Now, in Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching on how the kingdom of God works. And he says that your heart is like ground. Right? And the seed gets planted in the ground. Now, let me just say this. Whatever you plant in the ground of your heart will grow. You can plant God's word in your heart and it'll grow. You can plant fear in your heart, and it'll grow. You can plant lust in your heart, and it will grow. You can plant doubt and unbelief in your heart, and it will grow. The the, the ground, your heart, does not determine the seed that's put in it. If you've ever had a garden, you know if you put a corn seed in, what are you going to get? Corn. But if you put peas in, you're going to get peas. And your heart will produce whatever you put in your heart. But Jesus said, do not doubt in your heart, but believe those things which you say will come to pass. Listen, I believe that this is an area where many of us miss it. Now, the reason I say that is this. You say something like this. You say, well... I'll be there at 7 o'clock. You don't leave the house till 7 o'clock. Now, you know what you just taught your heart? You just taught your heart not to believe what you say. And if your heart does not distinguish, oh, this is a spiritual thing and this is not a spiritual thing. What you, plant, what you tell your heart, your heart is going to receive. So, so you have got to guard your own words. If, if you do not consider your word to be important, you will not have faith in God's word. You, you cannot, you, you've got to not doubt in your heart and believe the things that you say will come to pass. And honestly, this, this area of doubt and unbelief is absolutely huge. 
Jesus has come down from the Mount of Transfiguration, and a man meets Jesus. His son is an epileptic. And the disciples try to minister to him, but they, they are unable to bring any deliverance or any healing. So the, Jesus said, bring him to me. And as he's coming to Jesus, the boy falls down and has an epileptic fit right in front of him. How many have ever seen somebody have an epileptic seizure? I mean, it's pretty wild. I mean, they're shaking. Their eyes roll back in their head. Often their they're, they're, they're saliva or something come out of their mouth. They're biting their tongue. And Jesus said, how long has this been happening? And he says, ever since he was a little boy. And the man said to Jesus, if you can help us, please help us. And Jesus said to the man, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, here's what the man tried to do. The dran tried to say, Jesus, it's up to you. But Jesus would not take responsibility. Jesus said, no, no, no. If you can believe, if you can believe, then all things are possible to him who believes. Now, the man's response is very telling. He says, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. Here's what we have thought. I thought this, I thought this for years, that if I had faith, I couldn't have any unbelief. If I have faith, I can't have any doubt. But that's not true. This man said, I do believe. Help thou my unbelief. We can have faith because we've been in the word. But like the disciples, they saw that boy fall down and have a seizure. Now, there's different types of unbelief. There's ignorance because you just don't know. You have no idea. The Bible says we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But then there's wrong teaching. There's error. And uh, a lot of us were brought up in traditions that told us, well, God will make you sick and God will kill you and God's testing you and God has put this cancer on you. And you got to get rid of all that stuff. A lot of times it's a lot easier. I'll tell you, the easiest people in the world to get healed are Catholics. You say, why? Because they never got it. They never received any of that junk. The Catholic Church has always believed in the miraculous, where many of us were brought up in traditions where we believed that God stopped doing miracles 1,900 years ago. Right? And anything that happened was probably the devil. Wrong teaching. And then there's just natural things. When you see something like that boy having a seizure in front of you, Ah, it can produce some unbelief. It can produce some unbelief. So Jesus ministers to the boy and heals him. And the disciples came and said, why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. Now, did they have faith? They had seen a lot of people healed, a lot of people delivered. They did have faith, but they, when they saw something take place, there was unbelief. Now, what often happens is we've got faith, and it's pulling over here, but we've got unbelief pulling the other direction. And Jesus said, you've got to believe those things that you say will come to pass. Do not doubt in your heart and believe that those things that you say will come to pass. You need to guard your words. need to guard your words. Don't 
think that what you say does not make a difference. Now, Jesus said it'll be removed and it'll be cast into the sea. Now, the sea is the one place that can receive a mountain and totally cover it up. I believe this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying no matter what your problem, what your addiction is today, you can speak to that thing and it will be removed. And five years from now, there will be no sign that you ever had anything like that in your life. You will tell somebody, oh, but I had, I had fear like you. I had an addiction like you. And they'll look at you and they'll go, no way, you're lying. Because there will be no residue. Jesus is saying it will be cast into the sea. It will be gone, completely, totally gone. Now, most Christians, listen, they'd just be happy if their mountain moved to their neighbor's yard. I mean, I just get it off my back, all right? But Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. This thing can be so far gone that there is no residue. There is no proof that it was ever there. Now, listen, your mountain needs to hear your voice. Your mountain needs to hear your voice. But you could say, well, pastor, I've been coming to this church for years. You know what? And I've been tithing for years. And I don't even know what you do all week. My goodness. I think you did work two hours on Sunday. You know what I think? I think you should speak to my mountain. Pastor, what are we paying you for anyhow? You should be talking to my mountain. Well, it would be the same as you're saying, I need to lose 30 pounds. Pastor, would you go to the gym? (laughs) It's not going to work. It is not going to work. See, because your mountain needs to hear your voice. See, the man wanted Jesus to accept all the responsibility, but Jesus wouldn't respect, accept all that responsibility. He said, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, in Mark, the sixth chapter, Jesus goes to Nazareth. That's his hometown. Right? Now, this is what we know about Jesus. Acts ten thirty eight says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power, who went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus was anointed with healing power. He goes to Nazareth. This is what the Bible says. It says he could, not he wouldn't. It said he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief. Not Jesus' unbelief. Whose unbelief? Their unbelief. Although it was the will of God, although Jesus was anointed to bring healing, there were none. Because of their unbelief. So, so literally, it's like somebody else's unbelief can play a big part. in You, you can't just say, well, I'm believing for you, and that's going to make it work. They've got to do some believing too. They also have to do some believing. He said, you'll have whatsoever you say. Catch that? That's how he ends. Jesus said, he will have whatsoever he says, or whatsoever he saith. What most everybody does, most everybody says what they have. I have a pain. I have depression. I have an addiction. But you're not supposed to say what you have. You're supposed to say what you want. Listen, in fact, I can, put it, I can word that better. You're supposed to say what God says belongs to you. 
That's what you're supposed to say. Not what's in front of you. And again, we go back to Genesis chapter 1. God creates the heavens and the earth. The earth is without form and void. Darkness is over the face of the deep. Other trans- some, tra- some of your translations say the earth is catastrophic. Gross darkness is over the earth. The Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. And God said, that's the darkest thing I've ever seen. What a mess. That's not what God said. God didn't say what he saw. God said, let there be light. And there was light. See, most of us just say what we have. And if what you do is say what you have, all you'll ever get is what you've got. But if you will find out what God says belongs to you and begin to say what God says belongs to you, that thing, you're literally, your faith will bring it out of the spiritual realm into the natural realm. Somebody says, yeah, but it's not true. I feel the pain. I've got to say the truth. Listen, there, there is a natural truth and there is a spiritual truth. There's a natural world and there's a spiritual world. This may be, a, may be the quickest way I can explain it. Elijah the prophet is in the city of Dothan. The Syrian king sends his army and they surround the city. And the, the, the prophet's servant gets up and said, my master, what shall we do? Because they're after the prophet. And the prophet says, oh, don't worry. Those that are with us are more than those that are with them. And I can imagine he's going, one, two, 10,000. And the prophet said, open his eyes. And God opened his eyes and he saw in the sky the armies of heaven surrounding the city and surrounding the enemy. There is a spiritual realm that is more real than this physical realm. That spiritual realm created every physical thing that you can see. And when God makes you a promise, all right, that promise is in the spiritual realm. It's in your account. But what you need to do is by faith, you need to bring it into the natural realm, into your possession. It's in your account. Jesus paid for it. It belongs to you. But there is a fight. There's a fight of faith to bring it out of the spiritual realm into this natural realm. You have whatsoever you say. So, whether your mountain stays or leaves is not up to God. According to Jesus, Jesus said the mountain will obey you. But what most of us do is we do something like this. Oh, God, the devil's after me. Get the devil. God, do that. God, do that. God, do this. And God's in heaven going, I have given you authority. So you need to resist the enemy, and he will flee from you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him. Steadfast, strong in faith. We need to use the authority that God has given us. I I think that that is, in in prayer, that is the number one mistake that we make as Christians. We're saying, God, do this. God, do that. 
And God's going, I already did it in Christ. It's already done. And I've given you the authority. Now use the authority that you have. And so often we're just sitting back waiting for God to do something. But Jesus said that that mountain in your life will obey you. If this message has touched your heart and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God or I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not right with God. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you bow your head and make these words your own? Pray this from your heart. Say, oh, God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book. And it is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy. If you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge. Right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, congratulations. You are making one of the best decisions of your life. Just like Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv where you can have a copy mailed to you, download it instantly, or check out our audiobook. You can also find all these things on our app. This book is absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. It's full of practical advice and encouragement to help you live a life of faith. Claim your free copy today. Walking by Faith is changing lives, and we want you to be a part of it. Your gift will help us continue to produce inspiring content that encourages people to change the way they think and empowers them to use their voice. When you sow into God's kingdom, He will pour out His blessing upon you, just like it says in Malachi 3.10. There are three easy ways to give. Text WBFGIVE to 1-888-364-GIVE. Visit walkingbyfaith.tv slash give or click on the giving icon in our app. Thank you for your support. Thanks for watching today. We'd love to get to know you better. By scanning this QR code, you can download our app, send us a prayer request, read our weekly devotional, follow us on social media. To rewatch today's episode with closed captions, you can now find us on Rumble. We want to encourage you to be careful with your words. Let's use them to build up and encourage others. Let's speak words of life, hope, and love. Let's partner with God to see His will come to pass in our lives. See you next time.